Coming up on today's podcast, power ranking the nine D-backs under the most pressure this season. Is it Madison Bumgarner with that fat contract? Is it Corbin Carroll with everyone expecting him to win Rookie of the Year? Discussing all that on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. We're slowly climbing to 400 subscribers. So please hit subscribe on there. But for today's podcast, power ranking the nine D-backs under the most pressure entering this season. This is based on my own criteria either based off past performance, last year's performance for these players. Maybe it's their future outlook with this D-backs team, whether they'll still have a future with this D-backs team if they don't perform well this season. So we're going to work our way backwards with number nine because starting at number nine for the most, for the for the D-backs player with the ninth most pressure on him entering this season, we got Andrew Schaefen. And this one might surprise some people, but the reason why I think Andrew Schaefen is number nine on this list is because for him, we already have built-in expectations that he's going to be good this year. We kind of have it penciled in. Andrew Schaefen is going to be the best D-backs reliever. And that is a lot of pressure considering how bad this D-backs bullpen has been the last few years. We're just kind of penciling in. Andrew Schaefen is going to be the guy he was before leaving Arizona. He's going to be the guy he was the last two years since leaving Arizona. And we're not giving him much wiggle room because we've seen the D-backs reliever signings the last few years with the Mark Melansons, the Ian Kennedys of the world. And we're just expecting none of that for Andrew Schaefen. We're just expecting him to dodge this this bullpen curse that has signed, that has been over all these current or uh, not current D-backs relievers, I guess current D-backs relievers and former D-backs relievers that were signed in the last few years because the Mark Melanson, the Ian Candies, the Hector Rondones, the Tyler Clippers, the Joaquin Sorias, like all these guys just haven't been able to form with the D-backs after maybe having some recent success prior to signing with the D-backs. And if that curse continues with Andrew Schaefen, that will not be good signs for the D-backs bullpen because we just need this bullpen to be mediocre and we're expecting Andrew Schaefen to raise the floor of this bullpen and we're just kind of expecting that. It's not like wish casting like with some other D-backs players, maybe other D-backs relievers like a guy like Kevin Ginkle. Like we're kind of wish casting that he can repeat his 2021 season, excuse me, his 2022 season and hopefully carry it over to this 2023 season for Andrew Schaefer. we're just kind of like, okay, pencil him in, 289 ERA, elite eight finishing games, high strikeout artist, 
pencil it in, Andrew Chafin, lock it in. He will be a stud for the D-backs this season. And that's some pressure. When everyone expects you to be a stud and not really thinking that, you know what, he is getting a little bit older. Maybe we shouldn't put so much pressure on Andrew Chafin's shoulders. He usually isn't the go-to guy in the bullpen, and that's what he's going to have to be with his D-back squad. So there's a lot of pressure on Andrew Chafin, and we're just kind of overlooking the pressure, I think, when it comes to him. So I'm not going to overlook that for Andrew Chafin. He's ninth on my list. Number eight, I got the players acquired in the Zach Greinke deal. This one is the only one where it's a collection of players because I got Seth Beer and Corbin Martin written down because Seth Beer is someone that I thought was going to be the DH of the future. Maybe not the first baseman of the future because everyone has told me how bad his defense is, but I still thought he was going to be the DH of the future because you look at what he did at the end of the 2021 season where he looked phenomenal in like a five-game sample size. 2022, the way he started the season, I was like, because before the 2022 season, I think... Seth Beer was either my rookie of the year pick for the D-backs or my breakout player of the year pick for the D-backs. And I looked freaking intelligent the first two, three weeks of the season where you had Seth Beer Day or you had you had National Beer Day and Seth Beer destroyed on that day with the walk-off against San Diego Padres at some other games where he just absolutely clutched it out in the D-backs offense. And after those first two or three weeks, those next 30 games got really disgusting for Seth Beer. And considering he offers you nothing defensively, if he can't be a consistent offensive contributor, he's just not going to have a role with the D-backs. And so he's going to start the year most likely in AAA with the Reno Aces. And we'll see what happens to Seth Beer because if he starts crushing AAA pitches, then I think the D-backs will give him another look as a DH power lefty. Maybe give him a couple shots to back up Christian Walker if he gets hurt or just a rest day to see. And that will be his way to wiggle his way back into the lineup. But he has to be an offensive monster. And if he struggles with AAA with the Reno Aces, then I can't see his future being long-term with the D-backs. Same with Corbin Martin. This is someone when the D-backs acquired him, was coming off Tommy John surgery, but was considered someone with maybe the ceiling of a mid-rotation starter, maybe a high-end number three, a low-end number two. And the D-backs have tried to give him as many opportunities as possible when he's been healthy, because that's been one of the issues with Corbin Martin is his health. But even when he's been healthy, he's a guy that's had control issues, command issues, has liked to walk batters, he's liked to give up hard contact, and he just hasn't been as effective as we wanted him to. He's worked with Brent Strom, someone he's worked with in the past in Houston, so he will get another season. The D-backs seem hell-bent on giving him bullpen opportunities this year, and maybe he could be a high-leverage strikeout artist for the D-backs this season, but if it doesn't work out for Corbin Martin, just like a Seth Beer, I don't think either of those guys will be with this ball club past this season. Maybe there will be trade deadline casualties. I doubt anyone would want to trade for them. But Corbin Barr and Seth Beer, these are kind of like their prove-it years. Because if you look at that Zach Rinky deal, I always say D-backs got back three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization. They already DFA'd, I believe, J.B. Briscakis. Got Seth Beer, got Corbin Martin. We'll see if they're long for the tooth. But I love Josh Rojas, but... He was not the headliner in that deal. He was kind of the throw-in piece, and so far he is by far and away the best asset from that deal with the other three assets potentially not being in the organization any longer past this season. It will be a huge disappointment if that ends up being the case, but 
That is why there's so much pressure on Seth Beer and Corbin Martin. This could be their final season in a D-backs uniform. And then number seven to round out segment number one, Mark Melanson, who is coming off a terrible season, a 4.66 ERA last year. And the pressure's on for Mark Melanson this year because if he wants to be a closer, not for the D-backs this season, but for other teams too, he has to perform well this year. He's still going to get a whole lot of opportunities in the high leverage moments. Maybe he's a closer day one. I think he will probably start the season as a closer just because that's what he was signed to do last year. And he still has more experience than anyone in that role. But I just don't think he will be in that role very long because I think Mark Melanson's probably cooked, unfortunately. But there's still pressure on him because he's still getting paid a decent little bag this year. And with him having more closing experience than other people, like he's going to get those opportunities. And if he can perform well, like this D-backs bullpen desperately needs guys that could shut the door when they're up in games, guys that could keep it close when it's a tie ball game. And Mark Melanson was not able to do that last year. If he wants to continue pitching for the D-backs this season and beyond or with any ball club, then he has to get back on track. And this is kind of like a career pivot for, this is like a pivot point for Mark Melanson because if he doesn't perform this well, like if he doesn't perform well this year, like he's 38 years old. How many other teams are going to want to sign a late 30s reliever to a real major league contract? Like, it's probably minor league deals for Mark Melanson after this season if he doesn't perform well. So, major pressure on him, not just for what he can do with the D-backs, but for his own career after this season. And Mark Melanson doesn't perform well. The D-backs might need to do some recruiting for new relievers in their bullpen. And if you're recruiting for your small business, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small businesses. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. Let's get back to the power ranking. At number six, we got Alec Thomas for the D-backs, and the reason Thomas is on this list is because he is coming off maybe a little bit of a disappointing season because he was someone that was a highly touted prospect. Entering 2022, Baseball America thought he was the 30 best pro- 32nd best prospect in all of baseball. MLB.com had, the, had him as the 18th best prospect in all of baseball. So this was like a top 30 guy if you do like consensus composite rankings for Alec Thomas. And last season, there were some ups and downs for Alec Thomas. That first month and a half, I thought he really showed a lot with his bat, at least being a contact hitter. But he started slowing down as the months went on. Maybe pitchers in the league started to adjust to Alec Thomas a little bit because if you look at his first half numbers, a 250 average, a 707 OPS, nothing crazy. 
but solid rookie numbers. But in the second half, a 207 average and a 508 OPS. So you don't like to see that. He did flash the glove. I do think Alec Thomas is arguably the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball. I think he's going to be in the conversation for best defensive outfielder in all of baseball, but he has to pick it up with his at-bat. He probably struck out too many times last year. 74 strikeouts in 113 games is not a crazy amount, but you need to get a little bit more from the hard contact stats. Like They were solid from last year. Like His hard contact numbers were solid from last year, but you want him to raise that walk rate probably a little bit more, only 5.4% last year. His strikeout rate actually wasn't too bad. 18% strikeout rate last season, but a 263 BABIP is way too low for an Alec Thomas. And he's someone that I want to see get going on the bases a little bit more. I want to see some more stolen bases from Alec Thomas because I think StatCast has him as like a top 25 fastest person in terms of sprint speed. He's someone that showed major contact, real gap power in the minor leagues. And he could definitely be like a 15 home run, 20 to 25 stolen base kind of a guy. And He's someone that was a top prospect, and he just kind of lost his job almost to Jake McCarthy. Like it seems like Jake McCarthy kind of stepped on Alec Thomas's corner, and now he's like the corner outfielder of the future. And we kind of think of Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy as the two corner outfielder, you know, cornerstones in the outfield instead of Alec Thomas. So I want him to see him work back into that conversation. Otherwise, he might just turn into a trade candidate. I know a team like the Miami Marlins, Peter Pratt of Lockdown Marlins would still love to add Alec Thomas to a team for or, you know, one of those starting pitchers like a Jesus Lazardo. And I'm not even like against that. Like, I think that'd be a pretty good move. If we could trade like Alec Thomas to one of those Miami Marlins starting pitchers. But for Alec Thomas, big make or break season for him. Like, Maybe not make or break, but I think you still want to see flashes. You want to see him trend in the right direction. I don't think he has to put up all-star level numbers this year, but I need a season of progression. He has to move in the right direction. Still only 22 years old, going to be 23 right around the start of the season. So Alec Thomas still think has a large runway, still think he has a pretty large rope. Like I don't think this is Alec Thomas's make or break season. It's his final year, but he has to start moving in the right direction. Otherwise, we're going to start recalibrating our expectations for him long-term going forward. Number five, we got Paven Smith, who is under a lot of pressure because he is fighting for his job within this organization and this long-term future. Paven Smith, by some D-backs fans, just shouldn't be on this opening day roster. They don't think he should be the backup first baseman to Christian Walker, and they think his job should be taken by Kyle Lewis. So there's not only a lot of pressure for, excuse me, Paven Smith entering this season, a lot of pressure for Paven Smith right now in spring training. And this is someone that was the, (coughs) excuse me, the first pick of the Mike Hazen era, seventh overall pick in the 2017 MLB draft. So this is someone that was, Drafted very highly, and he looked decent in 2021 with 267 average, but his problem is he offers little to no value with the -the over-the-fence power, can't really play him anywhere defensively, and it's like, if he's a first baseman with no power, solid contact hitter, but not really uh, an offensive contributor in any sort of meaningful way, doesn't provide any real sort of defense. It's like, what's his long-term role? Can he just be a guy that bats 280 with a 700 OPS and just rack up a lot of singles? Like, you can't really have that from your former first-round pick, and he's 27 years old now. Still arbitration eligible, but it's like, do the D-backs want to 
commit to arbitration and continue to give Paven Smith money if they don't see him like a long-term piece. So I think this is an actual make-or-break season for Paven Smith. If he does crack the opening day roster, even if he doesn't, he'll be sent to the minor leagues and he will get opportunity from there if he performs well in AAA. If Christian Walker gets hurt, like he's going to be on the short list of guys to back up Christian Walker. If there's injury, if there's just a rest day for Christian Walker, you just want to get a look at a lefty first baseman with Christian Walker as a righty. You can do that with Paven Smith, but the expectations for him entering the season, I think, are pretty low. I think the pressure is on for Paven Smith because if you're a first rounder, the seventh overall, and at this point of your career, we're like, what can you really do as a legit major leaguer like can you provide anything that makes us think that you could potentially turn to an all-star one day probably not or at least above average major leaguer like what's the best case scenario like if Paven Smith hits his ceiling what does that look like what does the best version of Paven Smith look like is that a real contributor to like a playoff roster I'm not too sure about that so there's a lot of questions surrounding Paven Smith and hopefully he can answer a few this season and the last guy I want to talk about in segment number two is Carson Kelly, who is maybe should be higher on this list because when you when your organization trades for someone at your position that is markedly younger and as highly touted as Gabriel Moreno, that puts a ton of pressure on your shoulders. And for Carson Kelly, listen, his future with the D-backs is short-term at this point, right? He's not a long-term option for the D-backs. But if any other team wants Carson Kelly as a long-term option, Carson Kelly still has to perform well with Arizona this year because he will most likely, with how the reports and discussions are going, Carson Kelly seems to be the guy that will get a bulk of the catching opportunities to start the season. Pre-All-Star break, it will probably be a 60-40 split in Carson Kelly's favor. And by the time the trade deadline rolls around, how Carson Kelly performs will... by the time the trade deadline rolls around, how Carson Kelly performed in the first half of the season will determine if a team wants to go out there and give up real capital for Carson Kelly. Someone will still probably go out there and trade for Carson Kelly, but will they trade for him as just another catcher in their rotation as a backup catcher, or will they trade for Carson Kelly with the hopes of using him as a reclamation project to be their catcher of the future? That's a real question because a team still might trade for him at the deadline, even if he doesn't have a good first half, but they might just trade for him as a catcher with some upside to be a nice depth piece. Like a guy, like a team like the Atlanta Braves might just want to trade for Carson Kelly as a nice depth piece for Sean Murphy, right? But for the D-backs, if they could trade away Carson Kelly and get real value back, that would be super nice and that would make me super grateful. I don't know how realistic that is, but for Carson Kelly in his future, not with this D-backs team, but his future in the league, if he does still have hopes of being a potential all-star one day or at least above average major league catcher that can catch 100-plus games in a season and be near the middle of the lineup, be that number six hitter for a team and be like an offensive we- uh, be an offensive weapon at the catcher position because he's still someone with legit over-the-fence power, then he has to perform well pre-trade deadline. And it's going to be tough to do. Seeing, looking over your shoulder and seeing the future right behind you and Gabriel Moreno, knowing that's the guy that the D-backs want to give opportunity to, it's going to be tough to perform. He might be under the most pressure. I might have to do, redo these rankings and put Carson Kelly at the top, but number four is still pretty high, and I think he's definitely tier one under the most pressure for the 2023 season.
Now, number three, I'm going to have Madison Bumgarner here. And for Madison Bumgarner, like we all have little to no expectations, I think, for Mad Bum entering the season. I think we all think Mad Bum's cooked. I think we all think he's a wash, and we are not expecting much from him this year. But there's still a lot of pressure on a man who is a three-time World Series champion, getting paid what, $23 million this season? There's pressure, I think, on him from the organization. I think there's pressure on him from himself, too. Like, if you're Madison Bumgarner, do you want your whole tenure in Arizona just to be remembered as a disaster? I'm sure he's a very prideful man, and this is someone that's collecting a big check and not living up to it at all. There's major pressure whenever someone is the highest-paid player on a team and is also maybe the worst player on that team as well. Madison Bumgarner during his three years with the D-backs as a 4-9-8 ERA. He has not been effective at all. A 1.33 whip. It's been disgusting to watch Madison Bumgarner with Arizona. And he is someone that is holding back this rotation. There's pressure on him because this D-backs team has so many young pitchers that they could throw in their rotation. And right now they can't because someone like Madison Bumgarner is holding it back with his fat salary. So there's pressure on him to at least look decent and just perform like just perform like Zach Davies. If he's Zach Davies level good, then we'll all be happy. But I'm not sure if that's even possible for Madison Bumgarner at this point of his career, which is really sad to say. But I think the organization is putting pressure on him. I don't think they're happy that this is the guy that they paid for. I think the pitching staff is putting pressure on him because if you're Brent Strom, like one of the reasons you're brought in is to try and fix Madison Bumgarner. I just don't think that's possible. And Madison Bumgarner, even though the fans have no expectations for him and don't expect him to perform well, they're still putting pressure on him because they still see a guy as taking a large fat lump sum of money and not living up to not living up to the billing and so for Madison Bumgarner who was brought in to be that veteran leader show these guys how to win games he's shown us a lot more how to lose than win games so a lot of pressure on him to kind of be the stabilizing force once again maybe be a vocal leader in that locker room and just be decent on the mound you don't have to look like a number one or a number two starter but if you can at least look like a Zach Davies that would make us D-backs fans very happy Number two for the pressure rankings, I'm putting Corbin Carroll here, and others might disagree, but Corbin Carroll, the the expectations on him this season are so high, he's the unanimous favorite for the NL Rookie of the Year, and basically this, this D-backs franchise is in a transition period. This is the nexus point in the D-backs franchise because however Corbin Carroll turns out, whether he hits his ceiling or he does not, is going to determine how this whole D-backs rebuild how long it's going to take, and what direction it goes in because Corbin Carroll is supposed to be the first major building block for this rebuild. Corbin Carroll is supposed to be a superstar, an all-star level player that we're slotting into our lineup that we can legit build around with the other future players of a Jordan Lawler, with a Drew Jones, and guys you already have here with a Zach Allen and a Ketel Marte. But if Corbin Carroll goes out there and it's just not as good as what we expected, if he just goes out there and it's just like, I'm trying to just think like a, a decent comp for Corbin Carroll. Let's just say Corbin Carroll turns into Jake McCarthy. Like, Jake McCarthy's a very good player, but let's say that's Corbin Carroll's ceiling. Like, a guy that could bat 280, 780 to 820 OPS, 30 stolen bases, you know, maybe 15 home runs. But you're like, he's a good player, but not a great player. Like, the D-backs need Corbin Carroll to be a great player. And if he's just, like, a good player or just an average player, like, that will reset this whole D-backs rebuild. That would mean 
everything we've been told to in terms of how we're going to build this rebuild out and turn ourselves into contenders is wrong. We would have to change our whole plan, the direction we are going in. We would probably have to maybe reset and restart the rebuild because Corbin Carroll is someone that is expected to be a foundational block. And if it's like, if he does not, if Corbin Carroll's not a foundational block, how can I trust the Jordan Lawlers? And I, how can I trust the Drew Jones? And then it's like, how long do I have to wait for this D-backs team to actually be good? Will we ever spend money in free agency? Then we start looking at the owner being cheap again. And it's like, we can't rely on these prospects. We're going to be clamoring for this team to spend money in free agency. And that's clearly not what they want to do. They want to build this thing internally. And if Corbin Carroll can't hit his ceiling, if he can't turn into an all-star plus player, then this D-backs team will never be competitive. They will never get to a place where they become legit championship contenders. And Corbin Carroll is the first domino in whatever plan the D-backs have over the next few years, short-term or long-term. Corbin Carroll is the first domino, so major pressure on his shoulders. And then for number one, I think the most the player with the most pressure on him this season, I think is still Ketel Marte, who is still, I think, the D-backs' best overall player. He's still the D-backs' I think he's arguably the face of this D-backs franchise. I would probably say, honestly, Zach Allen is the face of the D-backs franchise, but for position players, you could definitely make the argument for Ketel Marte. He's a long-term piece now after signing a contract extension last offseason, but he's coming off a really down year, and he's someone since his 2019 season where he finished fourth in MVP voting, 2020, really down year. 2021 looked phenomenal, but only played half the season because of injury. And then 2022, really down year. So it's like the last three seasons since his MVP year haven't really been that memorable. And this is someone that we considered maybe the best second baseman in baseball post-2019. And he hasn't really shown that too much. He's shown it less than he has shown it. I don't know if that's the cleanest way to say it. Like 2021 was the only time he's shown that maybe he is the best second baseman in baseball. But 2022 and 2020 definitely hasn't shown that. If this D-backs team wants to get to the next level, Ketel Marte has to turn back the clock and get back to the Ketel Marte that we saw in 2021 and 2019 because if you get that Ketel Marte mixed with the Walker we saw from last year, mixed with the Corbin Carroll, then this team can absolutely take off. But I feel like Corbin Carroll, excuse me, I feel like Ketel Marte is the catalyst to this team. I think this offense goes as Ketel Marte goes because he's someone that could just... He doesn't have to hit home runs. He's someone that could just smash doubles, can bat you 330, and just always just bring those feel-good vibes. This is D-back team. When Ketel Marte is hot, is on one of those hit streaks, it feels like this whole offense is clicking at the same time. feels like he's the catalyst near the top of that lineup. And if he has another down year, then I think it's going to be hard for these other offensive pieces to click. And it's just hard when someone is like one of the pillars of your team and has back-to-back down seasons. I don't want to see that from Ketel Marte. He's someone that have major expectations for this season. I think is in line for a major bounce back as well. So Ketel Marte under the most pressure among all D-backs players entering 2023. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast with Matt and Dom as they bring you the best draft strategies and keep you up to date with fantasy analysis throughout this season. As always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.